0: Perfect timing there. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, grab a seat this morning, and um, we'll get ready to get into the, to the Word of God today. So glad you guys are here. I hear mixed uh, stories about roads, uh, different places, depending on where you're, you're coming from. Um, so we've been looking at the radar and different things like that, just trying to make some uh, good decisions for this morning. Uh, you're already here. We're already here. Uh, the, the way things look, it looks like it's going to be turning over to rain rather quickly. More rain than anything. Temperatures are getting going up. Uh, so uh, I think it would probably be in our best interest, if, if possible, to stay where we're at uh, at least until 3. And uh, then you guys can, you know, we're going to bring the basketballs out. And um, uh, we've got cheerleaders coming uh, from the Grizzlies and, um, and Pizza. That the bishops are going to pay for today, so you know nothing like church family willing to go all in for the team, right you know, so you picked a good day that's valentine 's day to, to do that. We appreciate that, and of course i 'm joking, but um, she's like oh, God, i gotta hope so, I hope not, uh, but I do think it would be wise to just say put uh, for the next uh forty five minutes or so um, and um so anyway, just trying to be mindful of that. if you do need to leave, I just uh, again I ask you to exercise caution, be careful depending on where you're headed so um, well, who's ready to get into the word today we're a little We're a little heavier on on, on the my left side, your right side than then than, you know I don't I don't know what that's about just kind of I guess people will like sitting over here more more kids may be over here they're out they out in their class so uh, so. Don't let the right side outshout the left side today, okay? Well, that, was, that went over like a lead balloon. So, Well, let me invite you to open the Word today to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Who's grateful for God's Word? It's a light and a lamp for our feet and our path to, to walk where He says to walk and shows us where we need to be, and how to navigate this treacherous thing called life. Those answers right here. We've been looking, um, started a series last week called Gifts. And what we're doing, we're looking at different things. Uh, There's really three types of gifts. There's ministry gifts, which are outlined in Ephesians chapter 4, that Jesus gave. And he gives. Those are what are also called the fivefold gifts, ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Lead spiritual leaders in, in the church. And then last week we looked at Romans 12 and we looked at what's called motivational gifts. Motivational gifts are what the what we're born with. It's who we are, what we're wired with, the way God created us. If you wonder why you do certain things the way you do, why your brain thinks a certain way, and why you're you tend to be motivated in a certain direction towards life. It's called motivation gifts, motivational gifts. And Romans 12 outlines those. Again, Pastor Lindsey talked about a survey we have available for you. They're at our guest and connect table at the back before you leave. If you weren't here and you don't have one of those, grab one of those today on your way out. take you about 10 minutes to do it. And it'll open your eyes up to how God has created you and wired you because it's directly linked to your calling and your purpose for what God wants to, how He wants to use your life. How many of you in here believe God wants to use your life for His glory? Amen. If you don't believe that, you don't understand that. That's that's what we're talking about. It's to help you understand and believe that there is a there's a reason you're on this earth. Anybody ever question? Anybody ever ask why am I here? What in the world am I doing here? And then sometimes we ask why am I in the mess I'm in? What's going on, God? But nonetheless, the purpose of God prevails. Whatever we have in our mind, His will and His purpose is what we need to focus on. And then today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to look at what's called spiritual gifts or manifestation gifts, spiritual gifts, gifts that the Holy Spirit gives that we're not born with. They're not man-produced, man-made. These are what the Holy Spirit gives us. To accomplish God's will and purpose not only in our life but to help other people to do that for Jesus how many of you would agree to say that there are a whole lot of people in this world who need Jesus amen over 7 billion people alive there's a lot of people still out there who need to hear the gospel there's a lot of people who come into churches all the time and who are in in and out of our lives at different intervals, who need to be exposed to the love of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at that. First Corinthians 12. I, I've selected a few different verses to do this. To do this message justice, we have to look at it in context of chapters 12, 13, and 14. I'm not going to go through all of them today. All of those three. All three of those chapters today, but we are going to look primarily at 12 and 13. And, uh, and then we'll look at 14 next week. But I've selected a few verses here. They're on the screen to follow along as well. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters. Everybody say, That's me. Say, Regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. Spiritual gifts. The special abilities. You have a question about it? Paul says, I have an answer for you. He says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Look down at verse 7. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That's the whole reason. Verse 31, very last verse. He says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life. That is best of all. Now, look in chapter 13, verse 13, very last verse. He says, Three things will last forever, guaranteed faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, say it with me, is love. Verse 1 of chapter 14 says, Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities or gifts the Spirit gives. Let's pray over this. God, thank you for the word. Thank you for what you say about life. And oftentimes, Lord, we're guilty of weaving a web of chaos and discontentment. And we go through disappointments. But I firmly believe and I am thankful that no matter what we face, no matter what we have gone through, you have a purpose for our life. And you want us to fulfill it. So Lord, today open our eyes and help us to see that. Help us to know what you have to say about our life. And God, may we have a willing heart to embrace it and to forsake whatever we need to forsake in order to to give ourselves completely and wholly to your will. For your will and your ways, they're better than ours. Your thoughts, higher than ours. So Lord, let us not be prideful today But let us be humble today, make our hearts soft, receivable, to to be able to just receive what it is you have for us. We thank you now, in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. Check this verse out, Ecclesiastes 3. Thank you, Jake. Ecclesiastes 3. This is the Amplified Version. He says, To everything there is a season. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Everyone say purpose. That God has also planted in our hearts a divinely implanted sense of purpose. That everything has a season and everything has an appointed time, everything has a purpose. Everything does and that in our hearts, in the hearts of humanity, God has put within us, planted within us, a divinely sense of purpose, meaning we know inside, in our heart of hearts, we believe, we know, we have this question, why am I here? I have a reason, That there must be a reason that I was born, there's a reason I exist, there's a reason God has put me on this planet, and it's for His purpose for His purpose. So we understand that we were created on purpose by God. According to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, God made us. God fashioned and formed us. God created us in His image and in His likeness. And He created us on purpose and He created us with a purpose. Now, that purpose chiefly is this. That is to be in fellowship with God and to be faithful in what God has called us to do. Overall, general term, that's for everyone. Now, it gets more specific and gets more tailor-made, and God architects it according to each individual for what he has for us because we're individually, uniquely made. But we're all made in the image of God. That's the vastness and the multifacetedness of God himself. Just look around. We're all different. And he created us with all different gifts, but at the same time, he created us all with the main chief purpose to be in fellowship with him and to be faithful in what he's called us to. And might I add that no person ever who has ever lived, whoever lives now, who who will ever live, will ever truly be content and fulfilled inside and except by fulfilling that purpose to be in fellowship with God, and to be faithful in what God calls us to do. All right, you following me? So, but first things first, that is to begin to understand who you are, how you're wired, what motivates you. Again, we talked about that last week. Romans 12, if you're taking notes, Romans 12 is a good place to start. It highlights and goes into the motivational gifts. Listen to the message from last week. It's online newlifechurchofjackson.org, you can hear a wonderful preacher talk about those things. But we also have to go along with that what we call a gift survey or a gift inventory. It's 49 questions, and it highlights, uh, and it goes over the seven motivational gifts. I would encourage you, you, if you don't have one of those, you've never taken one of those survey gifts, then pick one up at the table before you leave, at the Connect table. Take it home, answer it fill it out, and it's going to show you what your top gifts are, your top one, two, three gifts are, and it goes on down to seven. But it answers a lot of questions. So first things first, if you're going to be f- faithful in what God has called you to, then you've got to begin to know who you are, how God made you, and why He made you that way. And secondly, then we need to live openly with the understanding that the Holy Spirit wants to use our life to glorify God. The Holy Spirit, part of His role is to use our life to bring glory to God in how we live and in what you and I do. So fulfilling our purpose and walking in our calling as a Christian, I believe, is directly linked to the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life. That I believe these spiritual gifts that Paul goes into detail about and talks about in chapters 12, 13, and 14, primarily 12 and 14, and we'll look at why 13 is in here today, is that these gifts are not dead. There are a lot of believe, people in the church world who believe that these gifts are not for today. They were for them in the beginning of the church age, starting the church, and all that stuff that they, they died off. They, they're no longer needed. Our church believes these gifts are firmly for today and they will continue to be in action and operation until the day Jesus comes to claim his bride and take us to be with him and sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb where we will no longer need these gifts, because at that point in time, we will see Him face to face, and we will behold His majesty, we will behold His glory, and there will not be anything that you and I will ever need again, because in His presence, we will be complete. Amen? But while on this planet, while living in flesh and blood, while breathing, while going through the trials and tribulations of life, while we have the joys and the victories of life, while we have what's going on in our lifetime, we need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. God knew that. Jesus told his disciples in John 12, 13, 14, 15, he told them all about that. So I'm leaving. I'm going to make a home for you, preparing a place for you. And when it's time, I'll come back and get you. But in the meantime, you're going to have a lot of questions and you're going to know what to do, need to do. And the Holy Spirit, the helper that the Father will send, he's going to come help you. Now, I do I talk about the Holy Spirit's role in different facets primarily around the day of Pentecost that takes place 50 days after Easter, so you'll hear more about that coming in May. Uh, are in April, some at the end of April, beginning of May, however many 50 days is after Easter, which is the 27th of March. That's not far away. But I want to primarily stick to this today: the spiritual gifts and how they're needed, how God desires to pour them out, how how the Holy Spirit desires to manifest Himself in a believer's life, and so so we're going to look at that. Now the thing is, I believe. Again, fulfilling our purpose, walking in our calling, directly linked to the operating of the spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit gives. The ultimate reason for these gifts is to help other people. God desires His church, His people, to help other people to know Him, right, and to live for Him. To know God and to live for God. To know God and to live for God. Somebody, somewhere, says something to somebody who in turns, responds to it, says yes to Jesus, and they open their life up to God and begin to make a lifetime commitment to the Lord and journey in the things of God and begin to explore and experience the greater things of God's Word and what God wants to do in our life. Part of that is right here, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the spiritual gifts. Now look at this statement on the screen. I do not want the people that I pastor to miss their moment and their purpose. Thus, I desire that everyone in our church to operate in the special gifts the Holy Spirit has for them and what He has for you. I desire that the Holy Spirit would be great in every single one of our lives. He expresses Himself in different ways, but one big way is this right here, spiritual gifts. But again, to understand it, we've got to look at it it in context, and I'll try to do justice here and get through this. He starts out in chapter 12. He says, look, I don't want you to misunderstand this whole thing about spiritual gifts because here's the thing, over the ages, charismatic Pentecostal churches have gotten a bad rap when it comes to spiritual gifts. And we've gotten kind of, I believe, we got over the years we've gotten off track. And I don't believe no one church is really completely on track because we're still seeing things in a limited view, the way Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. But nonetheless, if our heart is right, hear me, if our heart is right, the motivation is right, I believe that's what really counts. That we're going to err. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make God stuff, God things, and we're going to turn them into human things because sometimes this is what we're, we do. And I say that to say I don't want anyone to be afraid to approach the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has for his church based on past experiences, based on previous conversations or exposure to other things that have gone on in in Charismaniaville over the last 50, 60, 70 years. But I believe there is a healthy and wholesome approach to the Holy Spirit's gifts that he wants to produce in our life. Not in a, it, it won't be spooky. It won't be crazy. It won't be done in a way that turns people off because Paul rebukes the Corinthians in chapter 14. We'll talk more about that next week. That he said, that's not what's supposed to happen, it's supposed to draw people to myself. That's what these gifts are for, to help people. So he says, I want you to be well-balanced in your understanding. Don't, don't, don't make more of it. Don't complicate it. Don't abuse this. But have a healthy, well-balanced approach to it. That's what he talks about in the first three verses. Then he goes into ch- verse 4, 5, and 6, and he talks about, he, said he, he lets, us, lets his readers know, lets these readers know, lets us know today as a reminder that these gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does this. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to produce these gifts. He says, you need to know they don't come from a person. They don't come from a man. They come from the Holy Spirit. And they're chiefly, these gifts are given to advance Christ and to edify the church. To advance Christ and to edify the church. And if you're sitting here today and you're beginning to ask yourself, what does this really have to do with my life? Because i got some problems going on. I got some stuff going on in my life that, that what are you going to tell me gifts are going to do? Well, I'm going to tell you what gifts are going to do. It's nothing in God's Word is, is beneath us. It's above us and it calls us to a higher walk. Amen? Amen? Then he goes to verse 7. This is the kingpin verse in this whole context. The kingpin verse in this whole context, we read it earlier, he said the spiritual gifts are given to each of us so that we can help each other. The kingpin verse, or you can say it this way as, uh, as in my explanation. The spirit expresses himself in a believer's life in a special way in order to help other people in a special way. Because how many of you have found yourself in a predicament, in a place where you just don't know what to do? That you need an answer. That you need help. That you need understanding. That you need something greater than your ability to get you in this and through this and on the other side of this. All of us. That will continue to happen until we die and meet Jesus face to face. At which point we'll be complete. But until then, we have to be dependent on the fullness of God, which is displayed in the outpouring of God's Spirit. Okay? And so the kingpin verse here, verse 7, Paul's like, before I get into these gifts, he says you need to understand the Holy Spirit does something, and when He does something, it's special. So we should take that with caution and the approach of thankfulness, that when the Holy Spirit produces himself in a believer's life in a special way, then, man, he wants to do something special in in someone else's life, as well as your own life, in the giver as well as in the receiver. All right, you following me? So, context, in church gathering, in church service, in the time when God's people come together corporately, then what Paul is getting at is that everyone present can benefit from what the Holy Spirit does. While at the same time, if something's done specifically for an individual, that individual will also be strengthened and benefited. But everybody can benefit from it. Okay, so you need to understand that. We need to remember that always, that when something's done, whether it be the preaching... The singing, whether it be and, and it's expressed in different these nine different gifts that we're going to go through, everybody benefits from them. All right, you with me? So then he goes in and he goes through these ver- these nine gifts, ver- verses eight, nine, and ten. Now they're going to be on the screen for our benefit. Let's look at these first three real quick. I'm going to go through them and I've given them a little explanation. Now Paul doesn't go through this and talk about explanation because apparently Paul labored with these people for a few years and he already laid the groundwork and the foundation for what these gifts were for. So he only states them here, meaning he he expects these people to remember what they're about. But for our benefit, we're going to look at them a little bit deeper as well it says the word of wisdom the spiritual gift of the word of wisdom it means this right here that wise advice or counsel the ability to speak forth the wisdom of God especially in a situation okay we're just gonna go through these and pick these up in context word of knowledge it's a clear understanding the ability to declare knowledge that could only be revealed supernaturally answering the question how did you know that? Anybody ever been there? If you've been in church long enough, church like ours long enough, you kind of, you get my drift and you understand what that's talking about. Like John in John chapter 4, when Jesus was at the well in, in the Samaritan village, and the woman at the well, they were talking, and he told her, he said, Lady, you need to go get your husband. And she's like, Well, I don't have a husband. He's like, Well, I know. You've, got fi- you've had five, and the guy you're with now, you don't even know his name. And she's like, Are you a prophet? How did you know that? That's the word of knowledge. Okay, to be able to declare knowledge that can only be revealed supernaturally, look at the next one: the spiritual gift of great faith, simple trust, the faith of miracles, faith in divine power, ability to trust God in dire moments, no matter what in all circumstances. I know some of you have been in that position before where you all, you cry out. I need some faith. Like Peter in Matthew 14, when Jesus told him, walk on water, and Peter does walk on water. That takes great faith to believe that, first of all, it's Jesus, and he's telling you to do something that's out of the the norm, and Peter does it. It takes great faith. It's a spiritual gift the Holy Spirit can give us. Let's look at the next three. There's nine of these. The spiritual gifts of healings. Healing the sick by laying on of hands, anointing them with oil, or by word alone, speaking it over someone's life. The ability to give healing and the ability to receive it. Not only to give it, but also to receive it. The gifts of healings. The next one, perform miracles, a spiritual gift of performing miracles. Miraculous acts. The ability to raise the dead, the ability to restore sight to the blind, or hearing to the deaf, etc., in order to override the laws of nature. That's what the spiritual gift of performing miracles will do. They'll override the laws of nature. The family family's not here today, but I know it's their heart to see the, the, the spiritual gift of miracles take place in Micah, their son's life. To see him get out of that wheelchair, unplug the tubes, and walk. Right? It's more than us just having it up here. We must have the endowment of the Holy Spirit to see great miracles like that happen. And he's just one example of miracles around this world. But the Holy Spirit wants to do that. Do you believe that? Then look at the next one, prophecy. This is probably one of the more common ones. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks more about this and why it is that way, and we'll talk about that next week, God willing. Prophecy, the ability to foretell the future in accordance with the Word. It's not a fortune teller. If fortune tellers were real, they would have seen you coming. Anything that happens like this, it's all based on God's word and will never contradict the word of God. All right? Doesn't require palm reading. Doesn't require tarot cards. Simply requires the Holy Spirit. Again, I have a reason for going through this and telling you all this. Like Acts 21 with Agabus, he had said he had the gift of prophecy and he began to foretell Paul and what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. It's interpreting divine will and purpose. God's will, God's purpose, and He uses the Holy Spirit. God puts a whole, listen, God puts a whole lot of faith and trust in people. He trusts us enough to listen and, and respond to the Holy Spirit. In so doing, He gives these gifts to, for them to come out, for them to flow, for them to work. Let's look at the last three. There's nine. The gift of discerning of spirits, the ability to distinguish between true and false doctrine. Because there's a lot of people out there who preach false doctrine. It says the the ability to, to distinguish between what is of the Holy Spirit and what isn't. To discover the inward workings of the mind of a person. Discerning of spirits. It's something that I really believe this is something we all need to be pursuing and asking God to help us in because we can all be duped. We can all fall for the con. And we need to know if it's of God or, of, or, or not. Like Peter with Ananias. Ananias lied. Peter called him on it and he said, You, you lied. Why did you lie? And he made a, he reason and he died, dropped dead. His wife, same thing, lied, died. You lie, you die. You lie, you die. Lord help us. There should be more dead people, right? But that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you the ability to discern what's of God and what is of not. Ever been in a situation or talked to a person or in a deal, a business transaction or or some kind of relationship and you've been wondering, is this of God or not? The Spirit of God will help you discern that. And you know when it's not sitting well, when things aren't gelling well, when you don't really have peace, then you don't move on it. Hands off, back off, move back, there's a reason. The spiritual gift of tongues, the ability to communicate with God beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. Context. As an individual, this is a very important part of our devotional private life. One that we can foster, one that we can desire, and one that we can pray in. But Paul talks about it, shouldn't say Acts 14, I made a mistake. It should say 1 Corinthians 14. That Paul goes more into detail about it in the church services, in the corporate worship. It should not be the biggest deal that goes on. It's just one thing that could happen, but in We'll describe that and talk about that next week. Then it's the interpretation of tongues, the spiritual gift of interpretation of tongues, the ability to interpret the tongues into the known language of the listeners. Basically, if it's going to be done publicly in church, if someone's going to give a word in tongues, then what Paul is going on to tell us is, hey, there should be an interpreter there. And if not, then don't need to give it. Because what good is somebody going to speak an unknown language to somebody if you, first of all, can't even understand it? If I just sat up here and spoke in a language that none of you understood, then all I've done is wasted your time, and I felt really good about a message that nobody understood. Same difference. God does not want us to misunderstand this. That's why Paul starts off in verse 1. I want you to understand this. There's a reason behind it. So he goes through these gifts, and then he finishes this part of this chapter with verse 11 and he says, It's the one and the only Spirit who distributes all these gifts and he alone decides which gifts each person should have. So these gifts come from the Holy Spirit. They're not man-made. They're not something anybody, any one of us can ever fabricate or manufacture out of our own accord. It must be the Holy Spirit. If you're going to give a word of knowledge or you're going to give a prophetic word into someone's life or you're going to tell, lay your hands on somebody who's sick and you tell them to get well and you're doing it out of your own nature, guess what? Nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever change. But he said, this is from, these are from the Holy Spirit. And because they're from the Holy Spirit, then it's going to bring forth the will of God, the purpose of God, which is to advance Christ and to edify the church. All these gifts happen and flow in our life, not just in church. They shouldn't just happen here. This is a big part where it can happen and should happen every time the believers come together. But in our everyday walking around, going about life, these gifts of the Holy Spirit can happen, can flow in our life. I firmly believe that. Then why would God just limit it to just the four walls of a congregation when there are so many more people that we come in contact with throughout the week, throughout our life, who need a message from God? Amen? It can happen, and it does happen, and it should happen. So he wraps that part up by saying it's, it's all by the Holy Spirit. But then, because we can read ahead, because we know that this is written in chapter and verse, that if you read all of this together, you understand that chapter 13 is also a part of chapter 12, and chapter 14 is also a part of chapter 12 and 13. So... Because of that and putting things in context, we're going to take 13. going to look at chapter 13 for a minute. And we're going to put it in context as to why it relates to these gifts. Why Paul put chapter 13, the love chapter. It's not just for Valentine's Day. makes a great Valentine's Day message. Everyone, everyone in red. But look at verse 31. He segues out of this. And I'm going to come back to 12 in a minute. But he segues out of this by saying in verse 31, which we read earlier, so you should earnestly, you should earnestly, you should earnestly desire these gifts. But he says this, but let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then he goes in and talks about love. So gifts, you could say, are the outward Manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the hands, feet, voice. While love is the inward motivation of the Holy Spirit. The heart. The heart. So love then is the heart of the church, or it should be the heart of the church. Love. And he he depicts love and describes love With the word for love in that language, agape. And here's what that means agape love. It's the attitude or emotion of deep affection for another person with the focus being on loving action and not just feeling all by itself. Because oftentimes we're not, we don't feel love for certain ones we don't feel or so there's another word for love for feel but paul's saying agape love here a deep affection for another person that is focused on loving action meaning love is a verb love is what we do and how we do it and it comes from inside from the heart and none of us can have this kind of love, agape love, except we have Christ Jesus in our life. Because our love is limited. Anybody remember the first day you got saved or maybe the first week or month you got saved? For those of you, you're born again, and you, you remember that? You suddenly loved everybody. Everybody. You loved everybody. You loved that one who was the meanest, crookedest snake in your life. Why? Because the love of God came fresh and anew inside of you, right? That is the power of love. And I know there's songs, and I'll save yourself and myself from embarrassment of that. But there's love is powerful. The love of God is powerful. It changes us. Those of us who have been affected by His love, we know that because we no longer hate what we used to hate. We love. Sad part is religion has taught us differently. But relationship with God through Christ teaches us, compels us to constantly change and to be changed by love. So why is this whole thing about love, what's the deal with it being put smack dab in the middle of spiritual gifts and all this stuff? Because I believe love is the heart of the church, love is the motivation of the Holy Spirit. So he goes in, and in the first three verses, he talks about if I could do this, and if I could do that, and if I could do this, and I could do that. He ends each one by saying, I would be a loud noise that I'm nothing, and I've got nothing. In other words, without love, I'm allowed nothing without anything. Is that how you want to live your life and be known for your life? That without love, I was known as allowed nothing with anything to show for it. No, that's not who God calls us to be. That is not the role of believers, of Christians who bear the name of Christ in our life. We're called to love. and he, Then he goes on, verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, and these verses are on the screen says what love is with love he says with love I'm patient just think about you think about yourself with love I'm kind because that's what love is with love agape love flowing and moving and operating in my life then I'm not jealous right I'm not boastful. With God's love, the love of Christ, the agape love in my life, I'm not proud or rude. You were so rude. Anybody ever been told that? Anybody ever told anybody that? You were so rude. <laughs> Don't be looking around in the church. Says <laughs> love. He said. Love, with love, I won't demand my own way. Boy. Sometimes I don't walk in love because I demand my own way. Dad gum <clears throat> Love is not irritable. I need to get home. <laughs> this is not the way I wanted this to turn out today. With love, I don't keep a record of other people's wrongdoings. Whew. I feel that more right here. than No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing you. With love, it says, I don't rejoice about injustice. Man, even when somebody gets what they deserve, I don't sit there and jump up and down because it that should hurt us. That should make us feel something for them because that's not what God wants them to get. Sometimes people are just going to get it because they don't learn, they don't change, they don't want to. But that doesn't mean we sit there and throw a party because somebody's going to hell, because somebody's missed their way, because somebody got what they deserved. They might have. Doesn't mean we should rejoice in it, right? Because somewhere, somehow love didn't win in them. It says, but with love, we rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Because with love, if I have love, the love of Christ, the agape love moving and flowing in my life, then I don't ever give up. I don't ever give up. I don't ever lose faith. With this kind of love, I'm always hopeful. You ever been around somebody like that? It's because they got God's love working in them. I've been around some people who have far less than I've got who are more joyful than I ever have been. More optimistic about the outcomes of things because they got the love of Jesus. With love, it says, I, you will endure through every circumstance. How do you get through life? How do you get through stuff? Love of God. You see, God's love is multifaceted. God's love changes us. It doesn't just make us a better person. It revolutionizes how we go through life. With this kind of love, man, I don't ever give up. I don't ever lose faith. With this kind of love, I'm always hopeful. With this kind of love, I will endure every circumstance. No matter how mean and ill-spirited somebody is towards me, that I'm going to love the hell out of somebody. I'm going to love the mess out of them. And Lord knows, that ain't easy to do. Because he has been doing it for a long time. And he had one of the biggest love displays ever, and that was when he was nailed to a cross willingly. And he died and went away for three days thinking and making everybody think he wasn't ever coming back. And then he shows up with nail-scarred hands, and a scarred forehead, and a pierced, scarred side, and he walks around for 40 days talking to his disciples, and he's letting them know, don't you be afraid, don't you lose heart, because I have overcome the world, and Joy is for you who endures. Love really does win. Why would Paul put this chapter in the middle of gifts? Because the church was abusing the Holy Spirit. They took something that was sacred, something that was holy, that was pure, that was motivated in love and they turned it around and they made a spectacle out of gifts. And so Paul writes this letter and he writes out with chapter 12, which didn't write it originally with chapters and verses, it was just penned and written all the way through with no breaks. But for our benefit, we can pick up on it He writes 12, and then he's like, I can't stop at 12 because that's not good enough for you because just because you can flow in some word of knowledge, just because you can have some gifts of healings and God can use you to do some miraculous powers, he said, i got to keep on going here and talk a little bit about this. He said, if you don't have love, then it doesn't matter if you can speak to a mountain and that mountain moves out of your way. It doesn't matter if you can have the tongues of angels and the tongues of heaven, but if you don't have love in your heart, towards your brethren, then you are nothing. It does not matter if you can interpret Scripture and make everybody be all thrilled with who you are and all the knowledge that you know, but if you don't love somebody, then you are just a nobody. Paul was harsh when he did this because he said, shame on you, church, who say you love Jesus. but you're going to use the precious, special abilities of my spirit for your own benefit. going to make yourself look good. going to make yourself look special. You're going to make people fall in love with you instead of falling in love with Jesus. Why does he put this in there? Because he says, shame on you, church. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you can do in God. It matters what God can do in you. And only He can produce that kind of authentic love. A love that never fails. Love. And in context, what this says for you and I is this. If I love you, then I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give me a gift to help you. Might I throw in, perhaps we don't see the manifestation of these spiritual gifts in the church the way we should is because we don't really love the way we should. But on the flip side, might I add that perhaps we will see more manifestations of these gifts increase as our love For each other increases. The last time I checked, our country is divided. Our country is torn in different ways. Not just politically, but our country is torn in a whole lot of ways. And you know what's going to heal and make whole our country? Do you know what's going to make our country right? Is the pure love of Jesus Christ. And you want to know what, some, what people need to see when they come through the doors of our church and when they are in fellowship with us at any given time? They want to see what love looks like. They want to see that love is in action, that love is real, agape love, a deep affection for another person focused more on action than just feeling. Because if it was based all on feeling alone, we probably wouldn't hang out with too many people we probably wouldn't even be in church if it was just based on feeling alone because most of the time we don't feel like doing anything. But that's why God doesn't let us off the hook because I don't know about you, but Jesus probably didn't feel like going to the cross. Nobody wakes up and says, hammer my hands with nine-inch nails to a wooden beam. I just feel like doing that today. What motivated him? What motivated him to sit at a table with 12 other men knowing the one near him who dipped his bread in the same cup that he did was betraying him? And he was still willing to finish eating with him? And he was still willing to go to the cross and die for him? Love. Why does Paul talk about this? i got to quit. It's 12, man. i got to stop. Why does Paul talk about this? Why does he put chapter 13 in the middle of spiritual gifts? And then he, st- then he goes into 14 and talks about the, the operations of them in a believer's life, especially in a church. Because love is the heart of the church. Love is the motivation of the Holy Spirit. That friend, church member, Christian... Brother, sister, in Christ. That if we want to see more of the movement of the Holy Spirit in our life, then we have to start forgiving other people. And we got to stop harboring offense towards one another, who are namely brothers and sisters in Christ. Why does Paul put this chapter in there? Because in context, these believers knew what he was getting at. And you and I will know today why he put that in there. It's because we are guilty of walking in our flesh. We are guilty of living in our flesh, according to our flesh. And when somebody wrongs us, we're not always willing and ready to let it go. And worse is when somebody you hang out with has an offense towards someone else, else, and then you take on that offense of somebody else. And let's say you then go tell somebody else what so-and-so did to so-and-so, and then now it's three deep. You got three people mad at one person, and only one person was the one who was involved in it. See, that's the kind of stuff that was going on. It was dividing the church. The church hadn't been that old. But this has been going around now for a long time, and Paul's like, look, you got to get with the program, and that program is love. Then more than anything, the Holy Spirit desires to move in our life. More than anything, the Holy Spirit desires to flow in our life, and to give and produce these, these spiritual gifts. Because they do help other people. They chiefly advance Christ, and they edify the church. I would, if I did a survey today and, 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 and I had a prophetic word for every single one of you, and you know that that prophetic word does what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, it's going to edify you, bring comfort to you, and exhort you and build you up, then everybody's going to raise their hand for that. And let's say I had that and I gave that to everybody, and I asked the question, how'd that make you feel? Most likely you're going to say, man, that made me feel real good about myself. It made me feel real good about what God says about my life. Yeah, so think about how that feels to you. And think about when we don't walk in love, how it stops that from happening. Love opens the door for the Holy Spirit to flow in our life. And I desire everyone in our church to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. But what does that mean? It means we have to be sincere. In our love for one another because Paul closes out chapter 12 and he paints a picture with his words and he says you are the body of Christ and the human body are a whole lot alike a human body has many parts but it makes up the one body so it is with the body of Christ many parts are the people making up the one body the body of Christ And he said, There are different gifts, the Holy Spirit, the different abilities, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And so, when you put it all together, the different parts, the people, work in conjunction with the different abilities, the gifts. And what happens at the end of that? The church gets better and Jesus gets greater. The church gets better and Jesus gets greater. See, when you walk in love and the Holy Spirit is flowing in our life and working in our life, the parts, the people, are working in conjunctions with the abilities, the gifts of the Spirit, and so therefore it's producing, the church is getting better, and Jesus is getting greater. Because last time I read the Bible, it said that the bridegroom was coming back for a bride who was without spot and without wrinkle, meaning God has a way and a plan as to how He's going to get our life cleaned up. How He's going to iron out the wrinkles, how He's going to really get us prepared and ready for the bridegroom to come back and claim us. How does He do that? One big way, the Holy Spirit and the gifts. The church gets better, Jesus gets greater. I want to see the church get better all around the The church of God. I want to see the church get better. And I want to see Jesus become greater in our day and time. Because I certainly believe that God is not finished saving souls. God is not finished with reaching those whom society says there's no hope. I believe God is into reaching and saving the marriages where society says you might as well divorce the joker. I believe God is into reaching the the parts of society who, who are just completely bound by addiction. Where society says, you know what, just put them somewhere. Put them through some program, maybe that'll help them. No, I believe it's greater. I believe Jesus can deliver. I believe Jesus can heal. I believe Jesus can resurrect. I believe Jesus can overturn and override the laws of nature. And how does he do that? He does it through the Holy Spirit. I want to see the Holy Spirit be poured out in such an awesome, fresh way in our day and time that I don't want to just live just this plateau Christian life until I die. I want to see the power of God be poured out on our planet and I want to see the power of God move in our society. I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit displayed in the local church like never before in a way that is healthy in a way that will bring forth good things for the kingdom of God and it will advance Christ and it will edify the church. The church gets better and jesus gets greater i want to see that i want to see that in our church i want to see that in our church i want to see that in our lives let's stand to our feet get done because some of us got some valentine's places to go people to see we got love for one another the church getting better, Jesus getting greater, you know, that's the thing that should happen. That's what should happen all the time without people getting in the way, but with people living with an open heart and life to God, allowing the love of God to change our life. Love greatly and greatly desire The Holy Spirit, the gifts, love greatly while also greatly desiring. See, it's not an if, or, or, but, it's and. Love greatly and greatly desire the spiritual gifts. So what does this have to do with my life? Man, I got my issues. I got my problems. I'm here at church today. I've got some burdens I need to roll off of my shoulders. I got some stuff going on in my heart that I need forgiveness for. And But I also, I got some things where I need to forgive other people for. I've got some things that I need to just settle because I've not made the best decisions. And it's got me to where I'm at today. Or man, I've got some concerns for my kids. I've got some concerns for my children. Things just aren't working well right now. I got some issues with my, my spouse that, man, we're just, things just aren't really good. They could be better. So what do you do with all your life? What do you do with all that stuff? What does that have to do with 1 Corinthians 12 and 13? Here's what it has to do with it. It has to do with your purpose. It has to do with your purpose. Your purpose is to be in fellowship with God, to be right with Him. And your purpose is to be faithful in what God calls you to do. You and I, we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be alive and well in our day and time. This isn't some preacher preaching some charismatic Pentecostal message to get somebody riled up and do something. This is how we're called to just live our life. You and I, we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be at work in our life. You and I, We'll never truly enjoy life without the love of Jesus filling our heart. Impossible. And we need each other, the body of Christ, in order to help one another truly move forward in what God has for us. So you see the distinction, you see the connection, you see the relationship. We need the Holy Spirit. We need His gifts. We need... Jesus we need his love and we need each other the body of Christ that's why Paul says your human body is like the body of Christ meaning you're a part of something bigger and greater than yourself you need each other you need each other